Welcome, Black Tribers. We are having another episode of an amazing podcast today. I'm so excited. First, if you're watching this, you're watching this video on our Patreon on a Wednesday. And it's exclusive for our Patreon people. You get early releases of all of our podcasts and the marriage content and everything else. And then on Fridays, this releases on our podcast, The Black Tribe on Apple and on SoundCloud. And so make sure you've signed up for those. You can find everything at GaryAndLisaBlack.com. And oh, by the way, our new website should be launched this week. So we'll let y'all know about that. I am excited. We have a G42 alumni uh, joining us today from Bellingham, Washington, which I get to go out there often to with our buddies, the Hansons and some other people. But Rachel is joining us from her apartment in Bellingham. Say hi, Rachel. Hello, Black Tribe. Hey, Gary. <laughs> yes. Well, Rachel, I'm excited, man. I can't believe this. We were on a call together the other day and you were just kind of kept blowing my mind <laughs> with what God's been doing in your life and what he's walked you through. And especially since I knew you in Spain and just watching you transform into this amazing young 30 something year old woman, um, which by the way, men, she is single. And if you're watching this on video, you're going to want her phone number, but you have to go through me first. And so I, I had to do a quick shout out, Rach. Um, Rachel, Tell us a little bit about you and then a little bit about, you know, our encounter and what then what's God's been doing in your life. You're getting ready to launch mm-hmm. a coaching service. And I want to talk mm-hmm. about that. There's all kinds of stuff happening in your life. So, Rachel, who are you? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me today, Gary. I was really, really honored that you invited me here today. And I just I love you and Lisa. And I am so thrilled to be here. So thank you. Um, yeah, my name's Rachel Krause. I you bet. I want you to, uh, Rachel. I need you to speak a little oh. louder for me, okay? Um, Please. Maybe. Yeah, just a little bit. So I haven't used these AirPods before. How is this tone? Is this loud enough? That's good. That's okay. great. That's perfect. Yep. All right. Keep Thanks going. for letting You're me know. Great. So I'm Rachel Krause, and I am a G42 alum. Uh, I also did the world race. I was part of F squad in 2014 through 2015. I took some time and worked at a software company in Wisconsin, went home, uh, prepared, and then launched to G42 in 2017. I was in the January 2017, yeah. Wow. I was the January class. Oh, it feels like 10 years ago. It's crazy. (laughs) So I was in the last class before you moved into the G42 trimester. So we got a really unique experience where it was just us 12 with all of the instructors. And it was really, really wonderful. So since that time... That was like one of the last six six months yes. times, right? We didn't have the three month practicum. That in the was middle. the last yeah, one right. before you moved okay. into the practicum part. Yeah. Okay. 
So since that time, um, let's see, after G42, I felt like I wanted to travel in Europe. And so Pamela Christensen and I, another G42 alum, uh, backpacked and couch surfed through Europe for three and a half months after that. And it was an awesome time of just exploration and walking out these messages that we received and were integrating into ourselves from G42. Um, I met wonderful, wonderful people and it, it was incredible. And then after that time period, I felt pulled into the direction of Christ Life Training over here in Bellingham, Washington uh, with Ted Hansen. With yeah. our good old Ted Hansen. Um, yes. In A-Life Church. And so I started getting those pulls while I was at G42 and let that marinate. Um, I had dreams about it and things like that. And so I came home from Europe in September 2017. And from September through December, I worked two jobs and saved up for Christ Life Training. And I came out here New Year's Eve 2018, well, New Year's Day 2018 with a 40 liter backpack. And I didn't know anyone but Ted and meeting, you know, Deb Ocon on the phone. So, yeah, it was a, a really incredible, incredible situation. And it was tough. Um, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I remember a couple of phone calls, just pretty emotional, pretty hard, not knowing really anybody. The pace of class, of course, with Ted Hansen. Can you imagine two fire hoses shoved down your throat (laughs) and you just get to hang on as he spins off into the prophetic, which is awesome. But okay, yeah. So you and I had some calls during that time Mm -hmm. and you had to start just pressing in to a whole lot of pain. And a lot mm-hmm. of things were all kind of colliding at once, weren't they? All at the same time. And at every step, I had choices. I was met with, I would say, the most challenging situation of my life, just as I was getting on that train to come out here. Um, a very, very close family member was all out battling addiction. And um, my world was rocked. And me being you know, the, the strong, like, foundational person in my family, sort of the, <laughs> the trailblazer, I had the choice. Do I put off what I know I'm being called to in my heart and stay because I feel safer being able to have control and influence over that situation? Or do I trust the word that I received in my heart and go, even though this is the scariest thing I've ever done? and I am not guaranteed an outcome. I trusted the word that I received Mm -hmm. in my heart, and I also had dreams about it. So I I let go and- Okay, so so I I want people to catch this race. This is important. So you basically had a word of the Lord in your heart to go to Bellingham and do this school, Mm -hmm. and you didn't, didn't, all all you had was your backpack. Mm -hmm. At the same time, in your family, you're having this addiction issue and some real, really hard things happening and mm-hmm. you had to make a decision was that word that I heard in my heart to go I'm mm-hmm. gonna go and I'm gonna trust that the father's gonna take care of this on the backside and that was probably one of the hardest decisions you made we run into this a lot obviously with alumni not knowing if they can go and leave 
And if they should listen and you just knew the Lord put this in your heart. And so you mm -hmm. went mm -hmm. on faith. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Um, and this is not the first time that I've done that. So it was just a deepening of a truth that I have already seen unleashed in my life, which is when you get a word of truth in your heart, you have the choice to engage with it, to hold it, but everything else and everyone else, life itself around you will wage war against it. And you'll have every reason to yeah. stop and you will have every reason to say, I can't trust this, this can't be real. And you can go in the opposite direction. Um, and I, I chose yeah. then, and I chose many, many times before that to trust the word in my heart, no matter what anybody else around me said, no matter what life was throwing at me, I knew that I had to, and I did it with, with pain. It doesn't mean that because I chose that it was easy. I was gut wrenched and I was tormented and it was not easy. I just knew that I had to, and it was yeah. a choice. Yes. And so that's actually. And then after you made the choice mm -hmm. and even in the midst of it, it was really hard and really horrible. And you were questioning, <laughs> did I hear you right, Father, right? A hundred percent. So I take that step of saying yes and continuing to say yes every day. I show up, I go to class, I'm living in Liberty House and the situation that I'm in. And again, everything around me is telling me this is too much. It's too much. I could choose an easier path. This hurts. This is horrible. Um, I was living in Liberty House and just renting a furnished room. And I literally came out to Bellingham with $600. I had $600 in my account for food, for rent, for anything that I needed wow. as I launched. I did not come out with... Um, with funding, fundraising, I didn't come out with a job. I didn't have any other resources because I had, you know, spent a lot of that say, uh, traveling and doing G42, which I had also saved up for. So I was starting again at ground zero. And again, I had every reason to doubt. Um, and everyone was telling me that I was crazy. My parents were questioning my decision, all of it. You know, I had every reason to walk away. And then as I'm there, um, the housing situation was very volatile. It was a safe, secure space, but it had the feeling, the activity of almost a halfway house because the people who were living there were in transition and they were in really difficult transitions. So one of my roommates, who's now one of my dear friends and like a sister to me, we're still in very close contact, was a trafficking survivor. Another one was a 19 year old man, young man, uh, who was also like going through some tumultuous life changes, family situations and addiction. He was, you know, grappling with wow. his whole coming of age. And so I'm planted into this situation and I'm going through TED school, which is incredible. Uh, but I learned very quickly that I was not going to be able to or I was not supposed to engage with it in the way that it looked like I should. So there were tons and tons of assignments and there was big, dense things to work through. And I felt the inner compulsion as a firstborn recovering perfectionist, achiever, doer. Um, 
I wanted to do it all. And I physically, emotionally, and spiritually could not. But what I did do is show up every single day in whatever state I was in and I received and I listened and I soaked it up because there's two truths about my life. Any effort exerted in my direction will not be wasted and any wisdom or gifts that come alive in me will not live and die with me. I promised that to myself and to God a long time ago, those two things. And so I showed up every day. Okay, and so, I- so wait, so, so wait just a second. So you, okay, you're, you're attending Ted Hansen School, which I'll give a shout out to when we post this, because uh, Ted is awesome and you want to learn incredible. from him if you, if you ever get the opportunity. Um, Absolutely. And, but you've got no money. You're in a kind of a volatile living situation. Class mm-hmm. is really intense. There's a lot mm-hmm. of homework. Right. There's other people you're dealing with, um, lack of resource in every way. But you decided you're going to show up no matter what anyway. And and you did. You just kept showing up because and I teach this all the time, as you know, Rach, like 90 some percent of life is just showing up because God Mm -hmm. will always meet you when you do. And then what was the second thing? Anything that I receive will not live and die with me. It just won't. So okay, so tell- anything that you receive, like you're going to receive these uh, impartation and you're going to receive gifts and they're not going to die with you. You're going to go give them away. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Keep, keep going. This is great. Ted is incredible. He's absolutely incredible. And a big part of the magic of who he is, is that what you take away from it just like the prophetic, it's not as it seems in the moment. It is complex and multi-layered and multifaceted and you don't have control over it. So as a person who's recovering from, you know, type A control, I go into it with the mindset of, I have to do all these homework assignments and do it all perfectly in this order or I'm gonna miss it. So I'm grappling with my own sense of failure as I'm moving through this process when really, it is perfectly unfolding exactly the way it needs to for me to embody what he is releasing. And I received every drop of it, even though it looked completely different to me than I expected. I think even than he expected, like we, we can't control these things. It's just life. Right. And you show up yep. and he did his part showing up and pouring out the incredible gifts that are in him. I did my part by showing up and receiving and sitting in class and soaking it up and crying and processing it and grappling with it and continuing to walk day by day, step by step through the unknown. Wow. So you, okay. So, and how long of a season was that? How long did school go? So school was four months. And in that four month time, again, I've got family issues. I've got very minuscule resources and I feel absolutely devastated. I'm also experiencing this kind of spiritual reality. It felt like the city itself was trying to spit me out. I did not feel welcomed. I did not feel received. I did not feel protected, known. It was like, it felt like just me out here in this world alone. And I, you know that you're not, but 
it sure looks that way and it feels that way. Absolutely. And, I remember- and it's, it's exactly how the enemy works, right? I mean, if he can mm-hmm. get us separated and convinced that there's no one else, nobody cares, we're all alone. It's what he did to Elijah. It's what he does to all of us prophet people that keep saying yes to God and, and doing ridiculous things <laughs> anyway, even though parents and friends and people think we're crazy. I get yeah. called crazy all the time for raising <laughs> support and doing what we do, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that now because if you don't have enemies and people talking against you, you're probably not doing it right. So you, <laughs> you get through school. You, yeah. you trudge it out literally through uh-huh. tears, through emotions. And back in those days, it was much more emotional for you than it is now. So walk us yeah. through what happens when you get out of school. Oh. So I think it was right at the end of school. It was about April 2018. So I had only been here in Bellingham for about four months. I went through a stabbing. My roommate, um, I came home from the grocery store with my other roommate. She and I had been grocery shopping. We get out of the car. As soon as the key hit the lock, my spirit is churning. My stomach is churning. And I'm like, oh, something is terribly wrong. Long story short, uh, the other roommate, the young man, had had a party. And um, I found him stabbed, naked and bleeding in the bathroom. And I got one of our other roommates to call the cops, get him dressed. And I facilitated that, made sure everybody was safe. He went to the ER. He was fine. But it was a very traumatic experience. Like, I'm at one point, I'm running down the street after yeah. the other young man that stabbed him so that I was able to give, like, directions to the cops and they got him. And... Uh, be able to, you know, comfort my other roommate, be there for the roommate that got stabbed and sort of facilitate the response in the household. And then, you know, the other roommates had other places to go. And I did not, I did not really know anyone yet. I was not really an integrated uh, part of the community here. So I slept alone in that house that night. And before I went to bed, you know, I stood firm in myself. I went downstairs to the crime scene. There's blood everywhere, splattered everywhere. And I could feel all these things in my spirit. My heart is churning, but I'm like, nope, I live here. I carry authority wherever I am. This is my house too. I'm going to sleep well tonight and I'm not letting this, you know, de- de- I don't know, turn into chaos. And so I spoke and prayed and declared in that space went back upstairs, slept peacefully through the night, but it was horrifically traumatizing. Uh, It was very, very difficult, painful. And again, I felt alone. Um, Also, the way that I'm wired, I have been through so many things and seen so many things up to this point that even when I am able to invite somebody else in and tell them something is going on, uh, I have it together on the outside. And so it's very difficult for other people to gauge like, are you okay or not? Because I always like look put together, I can maintain. So that was a challenging situation. Very challenging situation. Okay, so this, so you, you walk in, you find your roommate stabbed by another guy, there's blood everywhere. You've got nowhere to go. So you do what we do as kingdom people, you take dominion over your space. 
mm-hmm. and you find rest. It's like we have to find grace. We get mercy for free, but we have mm-hmm. to find gr- grace. And sometimes in our life, especially when things like seem like nothing's going right, we have to find dominion. We've got to literally fight for the space that we live in to be able to survive. So you survive this mm-hmm. and it's very emotional and very traumatizing because you've been through so much in your life um, already. And I know a lot of the story, guys, it hasn't been pretty. Um, okay, so then what 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 happens? Like, what do you do with all this stuff? And, 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 you, and I know this about you, Rachel, and our, some of our listeners don't. You do. You did, did used to hide things very well, um, mm-hmm. and not let us know how you were specifically doing, and and that's changed a lot. And so I want you to walk us into mm-hmm. that as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, in the days, weeks that followed, um, I did what I needed to do. I invited in, you know, my local authority and and told them what happened and allowed a life, you know, to love on me through it and kept going to church and, you know, being a part of the community there. Um, I also felt very strongly in my spirit before I even got on the train to get to Bellingham. And then again, once I was there that I'm being planted, this is home. And so even though I, again, my situation, the, the, everything around Mm. me, the sense Everything was telling me that that could not be true, but I felt it in my heart. So I've got this inner conflict of, I want nothing more than to leave. This situation feels like death to me. It feels awful. And yet I trust this voice in my heart telling me, no, I've planted you here. This is your home. And so I continued to walk it out. And then I looked for work. I applied to three jobs. I got three job offers. And one of them was at the software company that I'm at now here in Bellingham. But even that, um, (laughs) for me to go to that interview, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a car. I came out here without a car. I walked a mile to that interview and it was not even probably three weeks after the stabbing. So I'm still moving through my own stuff. And I just graduated Christ Life Training and like my world is just everything's blown but I know I need a job. I'm out of money and had dreams about it and indications. Walk a mile there, borrow my roommate's uh, shirt for the interview. I didn't have an iron, so I'm blow drying it <laughs> to knock the wrinkles out uh, in my bathroom. I walk a mile to the interview slowly so that I don't sweat and like pit up my you know white shirt. I get there. The interviewer is not there. He did not even show up to my interview. And I'm like blown away because I had heard in my heart on the way there, I am giving you an opportunity here. Again, I am faced with the choice to believe the words that I'm hearing from the voice of truth in my heart or to believe my circumstances, circumstances which are telling me, nope, this isn't going to work out. So... There was nobody there that could interview me, rescheduled the interview. I cried the entire way home. I felt completely defeated. I was furious. You know, I felt in my heart just this anger. I left everything that I knew. I left somebody I love deeply in complete turmoil. I came here. I did this thing. Then I met with nothing but hardship. I feel totally alone. I feel abandoned. 
what is this? Where are you? Who am I? What's happening? All of that. I met with that face to face and I'm wrestling with it. And I heard specifically through my tears on the walk home, I'm giving you an opportunity here. And I just continued to align with it and walk in that direction. I rescheduled the interview, got the job, and it's been incredible. I've been here three and a half years. I'm now operations manager of the customer care and customer experience teams at this company. And um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been here if I hadn't trusted that voice in my heart. Wow. I mean, that I want people to hear that, that, you know, most of the time we would give up, we wouldn't even go because we've got somebody sick at home. We don't have any money. We've already done a couple programs. Nobody's for us, but we heard a word of the Lord to go. We go. We get there to Bellingham. Thank God you have like Jonathan and Danny and some really good people around mm -hmm. you, the A-Life folk, but they They're weren't amazing. really around then. You were alone. <clears throat> then you have this stabbing and all this stuff's happening. You walk. <laughs> I love that you blow dried your blouse, your borrowed blouse. You walk a mile because you don't have a car. The interviewer is not there. You're walking home crying, probably cursing God a little. If oh, honest. not a little. I would have been. Yeah, I have an honest relationship. I cuss him out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come on. I love it. And But yet you say, you have to settle in your heart. I heard this. I'm going to stay with it. And he whispers to you, there's an opportunity here for you. Yeah. So if you would have bailed right then, you would have missed that. Now, not that this job has been the greatest thing either. It's never as good as it seems or never as bad as it seems, right? And right. so you get this job. You've been there for three and a half years. You're killing it. And yet over the last probably three to six months, I've seen even more of a depthness hit your spirit like I've never seen. So, so take us there. Like what's, what's happening? Mm. So I would say what I have felt and seen and learned in this season of life is what I would attribute to like the hero's journey right? That three-step, like I think of Ethan and, and Dave Hearn and those people who are talking about the initiation. So there's like those three steps, uh, separation, initiation, and then the return in the hero's journey archetype. And I have been in a very, very long initiation process, like a decade of initiation, hard thing after hard thing after hard thing. You think you've hit rock bottom, and then you just keep on digging and somehow you're still here. You're still alive. Um, and these things don't happen in a vacuum. I'm finding that this invitation to expand and to awaken to your soul's mission is overlapping and layered and there's choices and there's hardship and how you interact and engage with it builds the foundation for the calling on your life. And so for me, you know, I separated, I, I realized young, I don't want what I see around me. I choose another path and I grappled with that. Um, the initiation for me has looked like trusting the voice of truth in my heart when everything else is falling apart. Uh, and now in the return, I'm able to actually embody messages that I received and retained during this initiation phase. 
What? It's over? Already? Well, check back in next week as Gary and Rachel continue their conversation. Shalom, and make sure you hit Gary and Lisa up on Patreon. All right.